Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to Gather and Go, the podcast that helps you plan, promote, and lead better trips. I'm Brian Jewell. I am your host, and I am positively jubilant that you decided to spend some time with us today. And as always, our promise to you is that we're going to do everything we can to make that investment of your time worth your while. Today, we're going to do that through a very informative interview with Ted Clements of We Travel. Uh, Ted is a travel technology expert, and he's going to share tons of insight and great advice about how you can use some smart tech tools to make your travel company run smoother and maybe even more profitably. You're not going to want to miss that. First, though, let's take a look at some travel news you may have missed. Now, this is some very exciting and inspiring news coming out of a tourism attraction company. Uh, Hershend Enterprises, the country's largest privately owned theme attraction corporation, announced earlier this month that it will cover 100% of tuition, fees, and books for any of its 11,000 employees, even part-time and seasonal workers, who choose to pursue higher education. Now, employees at parks such as Dollywood, Silver Dollar City, the Newport Aquarium, and the Harlem Globetrotters will be able to pursue degrees and certifications online from more than 30 universities. Uh, this includes programs such as business administration, leadership, marketing, finance, culinary arts, and more. Now, Andrew Wexler, CEO of Hershen Enterprises, said in a press release, Our team member success is our success, and that's why we're thrilled to make this benefit available to all, regardless of their role in the company and without the burden of debt. What a great idea. Great news there from Hershen Enterprises. Well, now it's time for the road tip segment of our show. This is the point in every episode where we dip into our bag of travel knowledge and share some tips that we think might help you make your group trips better experiences for you and your travelers. You know, as an experienced traveler yourself, you probably know what kinds of things come in handy on the road, probably because you have found yourself without them a time or two on trips. But your travelers, well, they may not know what they need before a trip. Uh, you know, when I travel, I find it's really helpful to have chapstick, maybe some ibuprofen, hand sanitizer, wipes, tissues, things like that on hand. And uh, I make sure my travel bag is stocked with those ahead of times, because sometimes when I need those things tends to be the hardest time to find them. And I don't want to be unprepared in case of a spill or an emergency or a headache. So from time to time, you're going to have some inexperienced travelers on your trips who just haven't thought about bringing those things along, or maybe they just run out while they're on the trip. So here's an idea for you. What if you put together a little travel essentials kit and you hand that out to each of your customers at the beginning of the trip? You know, in addition to uh, goodie bags like this that you could hand out to everybody, you might also consider carrying some other things with you that people might need from time to time. So uh, the goodie bag could have the chapstick, the hand sanitizer, those little things. And then in your own bag, you might keep some other stuff, such as some over-the-counter medicines, maybe a couple spare umbrellas, phone chargers. Somebody's always going to lose a phone charger, uh, spare toiletries. If you have those on hand, then instead of your travelers freaking out when they realize they need them, they can just come to you and you get to be the hero who solves their problem. You know, I find myself in a situation like this, uh, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, I was on the road, I was going to a fancy theater uh, opening of a show. And before the show, they had a big spread and they had a like chocolate fondue fountain. And I dripped chocolate fondue all down my white silk tie. I know it was the 2010s white silk ties were in, uh, but I felt like such a doofus 
Fortunately, one of the people in my group had a Tide pin in her bag and she saw that I spilled chocolate. She whipped that pin out. She dabbed it on the stain on my tie. And wouldn't you know, I was able to walk into the theater confident about how I looked because somebody who had some experience was prepared and saved the day. And if you show up prepared for those little emergencies that happen during travel, well, you get to be that hero that saves the day for somebody traveling with you in your group. You might be really helping them out of an inconvenient position. And at the same time, you're adding some value to them, increasing the perception of value they get in traveling with you and increasing their perception of you as a trusted travel expert. And as someone who is building a travel brand and a travel company, the more people look to you as the expert, the more business you are going to do. There it is, your road tip for this episode of Gather and Go. Well, before we go on, I want to share a little bit of news from us. You know, if you listen to this podcast, you probably know us as the company that produces the Group Travel Leader, hopefully your favorite travel magazine in the group tour industry. But did you know that we also produce a magazine called Going on Faith? Now, this is a quarterly magazine that we put out for the church group travel market, and it's read by thousands of church travel planners all around the U.S. It covers destinations in the U.S. and around the world for church groups of all ages, from the youth group all the way up to the senior group. Now, you can learn more about the magazine. You can read some articles. You can subscribe free at goingonfaith.com. And if you are interested in advertising to reach travel planners who read Going on Faith, you can call Bryce Wilson in our office at 888-253-0455, and he would be happy to hook you up with some information about how you can reach this important and influential travel demographic. All right, well, it's just about time for us to get into our featured conversation with Ted Clements. Before we do, though, I want to encourage you to stick around to the end of the interview, because after we're finished, I have some more thoughts about the role of education in the travel industry, and I'm going to share those in the hot minute. You won't want to miss that. We'll be right back with Ted Clements. All right, everybody, my guest today is a leader in the travel technology space with experience at two different companies providing software services to tour companies. He's the former COO of Fair Harbor, an online booking platform for day tour operators. And now he serves as the CEO of We Travel, a booking and payments platform for multi-day travel businesses, where he focuses on solving pain points in tour company operations. Ted Clements, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Brian. It's uh, great to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to talk to you. Uh, I want to start uh, with uh, the origin story, as it were, of the platform you're working on now, We Travel. And I know that you are not the founder, but uh, you're close to the founder. So I would love for you to kind of tell us that story because it's a story that actually starts right in the middle of a actual working tour business, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that makes We Travel unique. Um, it's certainly a business that I've been following over the last couple of years as uh, the trajectory has just gone up and up. Um, but the origin story is a fun one. Um, the idea actually came to Johannes, uh, one of the co-founders, when he was organizing trips in Central Asia for Doctors Without Borders. So organizing trips in Central Asia, you can imagine all the different pain points when it comes to coordinating with travelers across time zones, sending emails, planning itineraries, collecting payments in different currencies, processing refunds. He was doing all of that on his own. So fast forward a few years, um, he met two co-founders, Zaki and Garib in California, 
And that idea that he had a few years prior actually became the origin uh, and the nexus of we travel. So the first product uh, was actually focused on student travel. So mm-hmm. think MBA student trips. It's very common in the United States for MBA students to take trips to different places uh, while they're studying. And those trips were coordinated and facilitated and payment was collected using WeTravel. Um, six years later, uh, WeTravel's on track to process nearly a billion dollars this year. We uh, work with uh, 3,000 clients uh, and uh, help them service nearly half a million travelers. So it's, uh, it's definitely a business that's evolved. But today we work with far more than just student travel organizations. We work with safari operators in Africa. Yes, organizers in Central Asia and many places around the world today. So the business has definitely grown and expanded uh, from those early days uh, in Central Asia. Yeah. And when did it uh, formally launch? Yeah, 2016. So uh, in parallel to that, uh, while uh, the co-founders are getting that off the ground, you are also uh, involved in kind of a a travel technology business. Tell us uh, what brought you to travel. Do you consider yourself a, a travel guy first or a tech guy first or, or how did that happen? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think for me, I was certainly a technology person first, um, but it actually all came together um, at the company I was originally working at, Fair Harbor. Um, so when you think about it, what many of these SaaS or travel tech platforms hope to do is solve problems for many small and mid-sized businesses that have been overlooked by many of the enterprise software companies that initially took hold uh, in the earlier part of the 2010. So for me, it was definitely, a, I was a technology person first. I found Fair Harbor. I started as uh, one of the first mainland United States account executives working with businesses, configuring their setup so that they could be successful and really bring them online, right? Gone mm-hmm. were the days of collecting checks and cash. And now it was APIs and uh, automated emails and dynamic pricing. And so uh, allowing all of these different businesses to really come online in advance uh, was uh, a key part of the role at Fair Harbor. And, and we travel was doing uh, many of the same things uh, around that same time as well. Now, I think I can sort of visualize some of our listeners' heads already spinning uh, over some of the, the tech terms that we've been uh, dropping, like APIs or SaaS. We'll, we'll define some of those as we go. SaaS is, is um, S-A-A-S, right? Software as a service is all that stands yes, for. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and that kind of brings me to what I think is a really interesting dynamic uh, in 2023, uh, because travel in the end is a very analog product. Right. I mean, we're, you know, nobody's really doing VR travel, virtual reality, digital travel. I mean, in the, in the end, the product that a tour company is delivering is completely analog, completely physical, experiential. And many people who have been working in travel a long time started with analog systems. You know, it was written out uh, tickets. It was, you know, slips of paper. It was sign up sheets. You know, they might have some things in an Excel on uh, their hard drive. What do you think the relationship should be in the age we live in now between a very analog experiential end product like a travel experience and the business that runs it and the, the digital tools that could be used to run it? Where, where is the balance in that? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, and the balance, I think, varies by the different type of business. So, for example, if you run a very customized tour offering, um, you know, that's not uh, the same thing as a museum ticket, right? Mm. And the booking experience, the payment experience, the interaction uh, with the supplier or the person that's actually 
uh, running the tour will, will vary significantly. So I think when it comes down to it, the balance is really one that each tour operator is finding on their own. Mm-hmm. But at the crux of it, as you mentioned, consumers in this day and age are expecting things to work. So, you know, we're all used to booking on, uh, uh, you know, booking our flights and booking our hotels. Well, tours and activities is is really no different these days. People just want things to work. They want updated pricing. They want real-time availability. They want that sleek e-commerce experience that companies like Amazon have been offering for over a decade now. So allowing that e-commerce experience um, and making it easy for all of these bookers to book online, I, I think is a key part of the of the process and, and bringing that to the forefront. Yeah. So I'm interested to know whether you have thoughts on this or maybe even some, uh, some data. I think of uh, a 25 year old, certainly wanting to book that travel experience online. You know, the idea for, for a, a Gen Z traveler that they would have to pick up the phone and call somebody or mail a check to, to book a travel experience is just completely foreign. What about that, uh, 55 plus traveler, the retired yeah. traveler, um, are they still more analog and physical or do they kind of have that same level of expectation about a, a streamlined payment experience? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I, I think ultimately uh, the 55 plus segment, they do a lot of research, right? Many of these trips end up being bucket list trips, trips they've been dreaming about for decades, whether mm. it's a cruise in Alaska, safari uh, in Africa, they really want to make sure the experience is a great one. Now, in these days, all of that research tends to happen online. Gone are the days of maybe going to your uh, AAA travel agent, sending away for many brochures. To be clear, many people still do that. But I think when research and the discovery process originates online, those are the types of consumers that tend to expect uh, sleek payment options. And it's not just paying with a credit card. It might be the ability to split payment between you and another couple that's going on the package trip together. It might be wanting to pay in installments. It might be paying part of your balance with an ACH, with a bank transfer, and the remainder upon arrival with a credit card. So I think that the way that people pay for these experiences, um, you know, will ultimately uh, change over time. But the bottom line is when research is happening online, when you're looking at reviews and looking at different websites and browsing, uh, it's more likely that I think the payments will in turn follow online as well. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned uh, some things that I frankly hadn't thought of. Uh, splitting payments, uh, yeah. paying with different payment methods. You know, I, I remember the days when you would go to a restaurant here in the United States. And uh, if you didn't ask at just the right time during your dining experience, the server would not be able to split the bill. <laughs> you know, they yep. would just bring you one bit. You could be there with 20 people and they'd bring you one big list. And then it becomes a, a whole mess with all your friends trying to figure out who's got cash and who's got a card and, and who owes what. And so I feel like there are certainly uh, sectors of the consumer industry that have figured out things like split payments. I don't hear a lot about that in travel. Is that something that you think there is a, a demand for and um, that you're, you guys are kind of like actively providing those services? Absolutely. So a good portion of our business are group travel operators, right? So this might be an organizer who's organizing uh, a travel experience for a group of people who all know each other, or maybe uh, subsets of groups that all know each other, but then are combined into a large group. So an example that actually I was um, interested to learn about um, was in the United States, it's common for many students, if you're in a band, or if you're in a theater group, or if you're uh, a cheerleader, for example, to travel to competitions around mm-hmm. the United States. 
And sometimes that travel is paid for by the parents. But if the parents are divorced or an uncle wants to contribute uh, to that travel experience, there needs to be an easy way to facilitate that contribution. So these it's not just splitting payments in terms of, okay, you pay half and I pay half. It's actually much more granular and uh, trip and participant specific than that. So that's a use case that we learned of by listening to our customers and then ultimately built tools around. So I think when we talk about how travel tech is different than just a payment platform. It's solving these very specific use cases uh, that our clients ask of us and then uh, solving it well and continuing to listen and iterate as payment needs and demands evolve over time. Yeah, that's a fantastic idea. So we've talked about a a couple of opportunities specifically in, you know, the payment part of a transaction. I wonder if you could um, speak to some of those small to medium sized tour companies and help them understand what are some of the other opportunities that modern technology and software affords to them that could help either streamline their operations, um, maybe shut down some loopholes where things tend to go wrong, or maybe even help them be more profitable? How, how does technology in general make their lives and their businesses better? Yeah, I, that's that's a great question. I think about this in a couple of different ways, um, but I think one of the key things is automation, right? If you're able to automate a lot of the manual processes that you're currently doing in the back office today, ultimately that frees more time for you to develop and plan and lead incredible experiences for your guests. You can spend more time thinking about how can we plan this trip so that everyone has a fantastic time and less time thinking about how do I respond to 12 emails and manually send out payment plans and uh, do my accounting uh, and connecting it to my payments and my bank account and everything like that. So I think ultimately automation is a key piece of this. Um, And then a second part is actually personalization. If you're Mm -hmm. able to collect information from your guests and organize that all in one location, you're able to hopefully either personalize the booking experience a little bit for those different guests, whether that's customizing a package and doing that in a way that uh, is streamlined for both ends, both parties of the transaction. But you're also able to collect um, information about that guest during the booking process that then you can then use to, you know, just to have an incredible experience when they're there with you in person. So I think about it in terms of automation and personalization. Um, To talk specifics, you know, we travel in many other platforms, connect to a variety of different tools that can make your life easier. So that might be connecting your email system to your booking platform. That might be connecting your accounting system to your booking platform. And companies like we travel provide these services so that hopefully you can, you know, reduce that administrative time in the back office that you're spending. Yeah, that's great. I want to talk more about uh, some of those automation uh, opportunities. But when you mentioned personalization, it made me wonder um, it, to what extent uh, travelers want to feel like every part of their um, buying experience and traveling experience is personal versus automated. Because, you know, when I subscribe to a, a major, you know, to Disney Plus online, yep. I have zero expectation that any human at the Disney corporation had anything to do with that transaction that they are, you know, there to serve me, that they're looking at my data. I I don't expect that. I expect that to be fully automated, but travel is so personal. Uh, How do you strike that balance between technology that is very automated and yet making people feel like they had some sort of personal touch and not that they are doing business with a faceless corporation, like with a streaming service? 
Yeah, no, it's 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 a really good question. And, and I think it ultimately, again, comes down to the type of tour offering um, that you have. And a lot of these group tours, these multi-day travel experiences, you know, I think for some people, what they really want to do is get on a motor coach bus and travel around. And, you know, many motor coach buses pass by many monuments and museums all day. I live in Amsterdam. I, I see them pass by. Um, but I think even for those types of experiences and many others, if we're able to customize, okay, I'm really interested in these museums. I'm really interested in sitting in this seat so I can have this view of XYZ monument as we pass by. That's the level of personalization that I think technology enables, um, both in the booking process and then in the experience uh, itself. You know, many of these group tours today, they have apps and different itinerary planners so that during the experience, you're actually able to connect with different travelers. You're able to learn about the history as, of, of different museums and monuments as you pass by. So I think technology is enabling a more personalized experience where you can customize your trip, but then it's also enabling a more personalized experience when you're on your trip as well. Yeah. So a lot of our listeners are people that own small to medium tour companies or operate them. And, you know, the paradigm in group travel for a long time was that there is one itinerary. Yep. And everybody basically does the same things. And maybe we'll have some options along the way. But, you know, when I first started in the business, that option was something that you only found out about once you were on the ground. Right. You know, so the tour director might say, hey, this morning we've got an opportunity uh, to go hot air ballooning if you want to. It's an extra $400. And he had the the uh, the physical credit card swiper thing, the chunk chunk. Yep. You know, the knuckle buster. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, and I think a lot of people, you know, they, they might be um, very comfortable with the idea of customizing an itinerary for a group, but they still are working on this paradigm of one itinerary for that motor coach or for that group. What are some things that that kind of personalization uh, mindset makes possible, even within the context of saying, okay, everybody has to get from Dallas to Austin by the end of the day, you know, we got to move all these people. We all have to check in at the same time. We might have some uh, restaurant meals that are all at the same time. How, how does technology allow you to, in a granular way, customize that experience so that it's not quite so restrictive to the individual traveler? Yeah. I, I, I think about um, actually a trip I, I took um, recently as, as a great example of this. So um, we took, I guess what you would call a genealogy trip. We went back to my wife's grandparents' hometown, a small town in Italy. Uh, we didn't speak the language. Um, but ultimately, the specifics of the trip were in large part dictated by the weather, right? Mm. How we get to a place might vary if the weather is poor. If it's mm. sunny out, I might want to walk. If mm. it's rainy out, I, I might want to uh, you know, get in a cab or get in a bus. Uh, if it's uh, a flat terrain between point A and point B, I, I might want a bike. So I think enabling customization in that on-the-ground decision-making and affording that flexibility, consumers are starting to expect that, to mm -hmm. be honest. I think people are choosing trips intentionally uh, when they know that they can, on the whim, kind of make a decision about uh, what they're going to do that day to some extent and, and personalize things. So, you know, this is the era where in COVID, so many people uh, were ordering food delivery, grocery delivery for the first time. They could make the decision about what they wanted for dinner 30 minutes before they ate it. Mm -hmm. And I think travel, especially some of these large group expeditions, you're starting to see some of those same behaviors on the trips themselves. They'll say, 
yeah, well, I don't really know if I'm up for going to the beach today or see going on that hot air balloon ride, but I, I, what else is around here? And if you can provide uh, the technology and the resources so that many of the bookers and the participants can identify those uh, additional add-ons um, and, and book themselves right into it, I, I think uh, that level of personalization uh, will ultimately create a better experience. Yeah. So I'm, again, sort of visualizing some of our listeners who are saying, I would love to offer that. I agree with everything you're saying. I have no idea how to implement it. I have no idea how to, you know, use technology um, on the front end of the buying experience or somewhere between the initial buy and the departure to to give people options to help them customize, personalize their experience. And oh, by the way, I don't have a hundred thousand dollars to go hire a developer sure. to build custom you know, uh, tools on my website. So can you walk us through, you know, what is step one for bringing that level of uh, customization to your customers uh, as part of the the pre-purchase or post-purchase process? Yeah. So uh, I think step one is after somebody books with you or when they're thinking about booking with you, make it clear that you have different options available. Um, At the same time, you don't want to overwhelm your bookers with too many options because then decision fatigue or choice fatigue sets in and they'll Mm -hmm. want to research every single option that you've made available and perhaps they'll end up not choosing any because Mm -hmm. they're overwhelmed. So you need to be really thoughtful about who your audience is, right? I think in in the example you gave about the hot air balloon ride, right? Know your demographic. If these are uh, young people versus elderly people, if these are families, if this is accessible travel, right? You want to make sure that you're catering uh, the different options to the people that generally book with you. So I think that's that's step number one. And then step number two, there, there are actually a good number of tools that allow you to either put an itinerary together uh, that's dynamic, that you can change. So then a daily email arrives in the inbox of all of the people on the trip with you saying, here are the different things that you can book for today. Um, there are different itinerary planners that allow you to create group text message threads, right? Depending on the tech literacy of your clientele, I, I think that also will dictate which technology solutions you'll want to consider uh, when kind of organizing or operating a, a group travel experience. Yeah. So if I am the tour company owner, how tech literate do I need to be? How uh, much comfort do I need to have with code or APIs like you mentioned? I mean, do I need to know any of that or are these tools pretty uh, easy to use for someone with a very low level of expertise? Yeah, I think they're generally very easy to use. We travel integrates with many of them. Many other platforms do as well. Um, and frankly, the, 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 the reason that they're so easy is we don't want these tour operators to have to spend time thinking about DevOps, thinking about yeah. APIs. We want them to spend time, as I mentioned, thinking about how to create an exceptional experience for their guests. So let us and let some of the other businesses uh, that offer software as a service products do the heavy lifting on those technology solutions. And then hopefully you're able to implement them with zero coding uh, expertise needed. Yeah. So let's get into uh, automation in, in just a little more detail. Sure. Uh, there, you know, again, you can go hire um, your own engineers, consultants or whatever to build something custom that might be amazing. It's going to cost you a ton of money. Uh, oh, and two years from now, it won't work anymore, you know, because yep. technology has changed and the world has moved on. So um, what does automation mean when, when you talk about automation? What does that mean? Uh, what sorts of things are you able to automate? And what are the key tools for doing that, that again, are accessible to a business owner? Yeah. So I think the easiest tools uh, to use and in, in some of the easiest tasks to automate 
or, or I, I should say that differently. Um, some of the easiest things to automate are, are the repetitive tasks that you do on a regular basis. So think about your daily workflow, not to be too uh, programmatic in my language, but if this, then that. So mm. if I receive a deposit, then I send an email with an itinerary. That's something that can easily be automated using a tool like WeTravel. But you might have other uh, complications. If I receive a deposit, then I need to update my general ledger in my accounting software. So mm. a great tool that exists is called Zapier. And it allows you to basically put in some of these if-then statements and other very, very simple and straightforward uh, automation rule sets so that you can move data from one place to another. You can send emails, you can send texts, you can set reminders, and ultimately automate many of those repetitive tasks that are likely happening in the back end. Um, so I'll, I'll give you an example. These are simple improvements in our product that um, you know we're excited to, to launch this year, but the time that you receive an email as a participant is actually important. So Brian, let's say that you're in New York and I'm in Amsterdam. If I want to receive, a, if I'm a tour operator and I want to send my guest uh, an email saying, hey, you owe me an additional $500 for the trip that you're going to take a few months from now, it's actually best if that email arrives and it, not when I'm sleeping, right? Maybe mm -hmm. right when I wake up or uh, during uh, my afternoon. So figuring out the participant time zone, these different uh, ways that you can personalize that interaction and automate things can ultimately lead you to have to do less follow-up. If I receive the email asking for payment while I'm awake, have my phone, have my computer in front of me, I'm more likely to pay that, uh, that invoice. And so these are the types of things that these automation tools like Zapier can make happen. Yeah, that, that's great. And uh, that's actually a tool that uh, we use here. We're really familiar with. So it's not just for travel people, uh, just um, to, to be transparent. Every time uh, I post an episode of the podcast, that automation tool sends it out on all the social channels and uh, does a lot of the heavy lifting. So I don't have to go from Facebook to LinkedIn to Twitter and, you know, to the company profile to my personal profile. I mean, it's just it's a it's a huge time savings uh, and it's really built to uh, almost integrate anything with anything, right? I mean, as long yeah. as a as a piece of software has an API, which you, is basically just a, a way that that software can talk to another software, as long as it has an open API, it can pretty much integrate with Zapier. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I you know you're absolutely correct. And Brian, I think you touched on a good point. Marketing and how you market is actually a great place for many tour businesses to start when it comes to automation, especially their social channels, their email marketing lists. These are things that are very easy to set up in a way that you just described, where you do less work, yet you're still expanding your reach on different platforms. And I think ultimately, hopefully, uh, that will lead to, in your case, more listeners, more viewers, more subscribers, but in the tour operator's case, more bookings. Yeah, for sure. So uh, in that same vein, I feel like there are so many tech platforms that a modern tour business owner has to manage these days. Uh, you know, we, we talked about your ledger, we've talked about uh, your payments, you might have an inventory management system, uh, you've you got your payables and receivables, you've got, if you own a motor coach, you might have a, a equipment dispatch or equipment maintenance software, staffing software. So, I mean, is this, is this just one more piece of software to keep track of? Is it one more password to remember? Convince me that uh, doing the work of, you know, joining with a, a payments processor, uh, an automator like Zapier convinced me that it's going to be worth my time and the hassle because there is there is a little bit of a learning curve up front. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the value proposition of something like We Travel or some other offerings that are out there is actually quite simple. We're going to save you money and we're going to grow your business. Um, we're going to grow your business because ultimately, by using a tool like We Travel, you'll receive more bookings because the mm. booking experience will be seamless. Your guests will be thrilled. When we talked earlier uh, today about the expectations of consumers wanting that professional e-commerce like experience when they're making a reservation or paying for their experience. I, I think that's true. So by joining a payment platform, you're professionalizing, uh, you know, your offering in a way that, um, you know, I, I think is often overlooked um, and ultimately can can help you grow your business. And of course, saving money is is a, a part of it. It's not just low processing rates, but that's also saving you time, as we've talked about. Um, make sure that if you're evaluating a tool that it does integrate with the different systems that you offer. Ask for integration help so that you can truly get configured and set up in a way uh, that saves you time. And it isn't just another password, but instead it's an enabler uh, that mm. saves you time. Yeah, oh, that's that's a great tip. Uh, the entire tourism industry is in probably the third year now of an ongoing labor shortage. And I'm curious uh, if you have seen ways that automation, uh, smart deployment of technology has helped travel companies uh, kind of soften the blow of that labor shortage so they can get more done with fewer people. Yeah, I think a big one here is to acknowledge that a tour is not the same if you don't have a great tour guide. Mm. So obviously, the uh, labor shortage is certainly impacting many tour businesses around the world. But if you are able to, I would continue to suggest to every operator to continue to invest in great guides incredible training for those guides. If you're an owner operator, make sure that you're spending time thinking about how you can make your experience a phenomenal one. Um, but then ultimately, when it comes to how to handle maybe labor shortages and things, there are a variety of different online platforms like Fiverr that can allow you to do uh, simple tasks, outsource them to, to folks in, in different places around the world who might be able to do them a little faster than you. Uh, that's one tip. But then also looking at your daily routine and thinking, what in this routine can I automate? Mm. What in this routine can I stop doing and it will not impact the customer experience? I think that's where you start. Think about the things that you do on a daily basis that do not have a positive impact or do have no impact at all on the customer experience and try and figure out how you can either stop doing those or automate those tasks. And tools like we talked about, Zapier and others, can really make that happen. Um, so I think that's ultimately where you start. Um, and hopefully over time, uh, you know, the staffing shortage will subside. People will be able to, uh, you know, find great guides and the great back office staff that they need to, to run. But I will say that we've chatted with many tour operators that, yeah, they were short staffed, but then they implemented some of these automation tools and now they don't feel they need to hire anyone back. Um, so it is something where these changes might be permanent if you can implement them correctly. Yeah, that's uh, that's great news. I wonder if I could uh, put you on the spot and ask uh, if you can think of some things that maybe some executive level people in tour companies are doing on a day to day basis that perhaps isn't the best use of their time and that automation could really help them with. Oh, absolutely. So I think an easy one in the booking process, there are often a lot of questions that guests or bookers ask. So it sounds silly, but a simple FAQ page can go a long way. But a step above that would be a chatbot, mm. something that can dynamically answer questions in a way that feels personal, in a way that is customized to your business. And I think you can make it kind of your own brand. If you're customizing answers to be a little spunky or a little creative, if that's who you are as a tour operator, then that fits and that feels personalized 
uh, and can really go a long way to not feeling like it's, oh, it's just another chatbot on a website. So I'd encourage folks to consider those different tools. Um, and then ultimately, I think there are some ways uh, that you can automate some of your invoicing, some of your payment collection, of course. Uh, those are tasks that uh, you, know, you should be able to set uh, automated reminders for people. You should be able to have automated emails going out to guests, reminding them of uh, what they need to bring, et cetera. And hopefully you're not manually sending emails uh, that aren't on a scheduled uh, system yet. Yeah, uh, I love that. I love that. So uh, if I could ask you to get out your crystal ball and sort of look into the future, I, I know that's a losing proposition, but I, I would love to know what you anticipate for the future of technology and travel as they continue to converge. What kinds of uh, features uh, or, you know, new horizons can we look for in, you know, 2025, 2030? I mean, what can we be excited about in the world of travel technology? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that I'm really excited about and that we've seen, obviously pioneered with TripAdvisor, um, is just more reviews, more content, and more ability to evaluate tour offerings before you go on a trip. So if I were to predict in the future, I think there's a world where you don't just read a few reviews about that bucket list trip you want to do in Alaska, but you actually are able to see maybe some drone footage, maybe mm. a, a live webcam of the cruise that's going on today that you mm. might book a year from now. So mm. I think there are going to be uh, ways where you can collect more information about the experience that you are thinking about booking well in advance and in different ways and in a format that you want to consume. Um, so I think that that's going to be a big change for sure. Um, and then ultimately, when it comes to the payment space, you know, this is a space that continues to evolve. 15 years ago, I think mailing checks was quite common for safaris and multi-day trips. And now people expect to pay with credit cards and installments and in their local payment methods. That might be a credit card if you're in the U.S. Uh, but in Europe, maybe if you live in Germany, maybe you want to pay with PayPal. Maybe you want to pay with Zofort. Or if you're in the Netherlands, you want to pay with um, ideal and there are a variety of different local payment methods um, that bookers are looking to use in a way that perhaps they weren't 10 or 15 years ago. So I think payments is definitely going to continue to evolve. But then I also think, as I mentioned, the discovery process and the research process that occurs will evolve as well. So what is uh, the best way for people to either uh, follow you or um, learn more about We Travel and uh, maybe see if that solution could be helpful to them? Yeah, well, uh, we travel. You can visit wetravel.com. Uh, you can sign up for a demo to speak with one of our incredible sales reps uh, stationed all over the world. They'd be happy to, you know, check and work with you and see if we travel is a good fit for your business. You can also self sign up. You know, you can kick the tires on our product uh, without having to talk to anyone, which I think is a phenomenal way uh, to to try something on your own time. Um, and then you can follow me. I'm on I'm on LinkedIn currently. I may fire up my Twitter account again, mm -hmm. uh, but for right now, uh, just LinkedIn is uh, is the best place to follow me. Yeah, wonderful. Well, we will include uh, links to uh, both those places in our show notes. Uh, before we let you go, uh, we have some just for fun questions that we ask everybody. Sure. So uh, you can just uh, shoot from the hip on these. There's no pressure. Uh, so first of all, when you travel, do you choose a window seat or an aisle seat? Window. Yeah. Why is that? Always. Oh my goodness. Well, I think I have, I, I shouldn't admit this, but I, I have a little bit of a fear of heights. Mm. So for some reason, if something ever goes wrong, I feel safer if I'm by the window, which is somewhat of a paradox because, yeah. uh, you know, you can actually see how high off the ground you are when you sit in that window seat, but I just feel more comfortable in the window. And of course <laughs> you get the views, uh, which, which can be quite nice, although sometimes terrifying. 
<laughs> yeah, I hear that. Okay, so uh, what is something in your carry-on that you would not travel without? Oh my gosh, I always carry a uh, chocolate chip cliff bar. No matter where I go, I always have at least one in my carry-on because when I get hungry, it's not a pretty scene and I want to make sure <laughs> I have a cliff bar with me. Yeah, very smart. I love that. Okay, so uh, if you had a free airline pass and a week with nothing else to do, uh, where would you be headed? I would, I would love to explore uh, Western Africa. It's an area that my wife has lived for a little while. I've, I've never spent any time there, but I would love to explore uh, and check out um, uh, you know, the continent of Africa, but specifically Western Africa. I, I think that would be a lot of fun, uh, specifically Ghana. Uh, I've, I've never been there and I would love to go. Yeah, uh, that sounds fascinating. So the last question is, uh, what's something that you have seen or done on the road that you wish you could go back and do again with somebody you love? I went snorkeling on the Great Barrier Reef wow. and I had a fantastic time. Um, it was wonderful. Uh, and at night, now a few people know this, but so if you do like a stay overnight trip on the Great Barrier Reef at night, the boats will often turn off all their lights and you have a fantastic view of the Milky Way, like nothing I have ever seen before. So it was wow. beautiful during the day. We were able to see all the different fish and the coral, but then at night it was even more spectacular in my opinion. It was a clear sky. So I would love to do that again. Yeah, I would love to do it too. Ted Clements, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ted Clements as much as I did. You know, I know that travel technology or any kind of technology can be intimidating. And when you hear uh, an expert like Ted throwing around terms you haven't heard before, like you know, API or, or SaaS or things like that, it can make you think this is not for me. I'll never figure it out. But I'm here to tell you, you can do this and it can make your company and your organization run better. In fact, I want to hit a couple things that Ted said again, just to make sure you don't miss them. You know, early on in the conversation, he said consumers in this day and age are expecting things to work. They want updated pricing, real time availability and that sleek e-commerce experience that companies like Amazon have been offering for well over a decade now. You know, this is so important because uh, tour companies, tour operators, I love you guys but many of your websites aren't that great. Some of you guys have websites that don't even offer a payment experience. People can't even book on your websites. And, and many of you who do have that capability, it's not streamlined, it's not user-friendly. You need to realize that you're not just competing against other travel vendors, you're competing against any online shopping vendor. And somebody like Amazon or Walmart or eBay, they set the standard and it's a standard you have to live up to. So if you aren't offering a great streamlined, attractive, easy to use experience for your customers, you're going to lose them. And that's not what you want. Another thing Ted said is that uh, when people start researching online, when their research originates online, those are the kind of consumers that expect digital payment options. So in other words, you have people in your community who don't do online research. They still want to see that brochure. They still want uh, to get a catalog from you. They still want to look at your newsletter. They still want to talk to you about trips. They're not the ones that you need to worry about paying online because probably they're still going to write a check and put it in the mail to you. But Gen Xers, even some baby boomers and certainly anybody younger than Gen X, they want to research online. They want to buy online. And if you don't offer ways for them to do that, 
you are not going to get their business. Ted also talked about on the ground customization, which is something I frankly don't see enough of in group travel. He said uh, consumers are starting to expect that personalization. He said people are choosing trips intentionally when they know they can decide on a whim what they're going to do that day and personalize things. You know, this can be uh, difficult for people who came up in the traditional group tour industry where they uh, always had one itinerary that everybody followed. But I have seen companies offer awesome personalization options throughout their tours and their customers love it. So it takes a little bit of work. It takes some creativity. It may take a couple of tech tools you don't have now. But if you are willing to do the work to roll that out for your customers, they are going to love it. And you might find that you're actually making more revenue because you're able to sell some more optional things that you weren't selling before. Now, when talking about how technology can make your business better, Ted said that if you're able to automate some of the processes that you're doing in the back office today, that ultimately creates more time for you to plan and think about how to deliver incredible experiences for your guests. And I love this as the focus of an automation and technology conversation, because it's not just about time savings. It's not just about money savings. It's not just about streamlining your operations. It's really about empowering you to do what you love, which is to create those amazing travel experiences and deliver them to your guests. And the less time you have to spend doing busy work, sending the same email over and over, scheduling things, keeping track of payments, the more time you can spend finding that next awesome travel experience and packaging it for your customers. Great stuff there from Ted Clements. So in our travel news segment today, we talked about how Hershey Entertainment is providing free education opportunities for its employees. And thinking about that got me pondering the role of education in travel in general. I have some thoughts about how we are using education and how we're not using education that I think are worth talking about. And that is the topic of today's hot minute. Yeah, that's right. The hot minute is the portion of every show where I take 60 seconds to give you my unfiltered views on issues impacting tourism every day. So let's put 60 seconds on the clock and get into it. OK, in general, our industry is putting too much emphasis on traditional college education. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a big believer in education. I've got a four year degree, but I also believe that education should be useful and meaningful. And too often it's not. Here's my question for you. When was the last time you really used your college degree in your day to day work in tourism? I'm willing to bet that the most crucial skills in tourism are the ones you learned not in college, but on the job. And this is a problem because there are way too many students borrowing way too much money to go to college because they're convinced that it's the only path to a prosperous future. But what if we could give them an alternative pathway through tourism and hospitality that didn't require an expensive four year degree? And what if we, like Hershey Entertainment, stepped up to provide some educational opportunities for those up and coming tourism professionals? You know what I think would happen? I think we'd end up with a larger and stronger and more diverse and happier tourism workforce. That's the way I see it anyway. Of course, as always, you are welcome to disagree and we will still be friends. Hey, agree, disagree, have thoughts, comments, rebuttals. I would love to hear from you. You can send your ideas and questions to podcast at grouptravelleader.com. I read every email that comes into that address. And hey, you never know, your thoughts, questions or ideas might just be the topic of the next 
hot minute. And hey, while you're in the mood to give us some feedback, could you do me a huge favor? Would you go to your favorite podcast player and number one, follow the show. Number two, give us a rating. Leave us a review. That helps us so much. And I am so thankful to every one of you who has done that. My thanks as well to Ted Clements for joining us on the show today. Now, on the next episode, I'm going to bring you a massively inspiring conversation with Bola Idibapo of the Two Fly Foundation. We're going to talk about how she is using travel to open doors to opportunity for people who may not have it otherwise. I love what she's doing. I cannot wait to share Bola and her work with you. Until then, though, remember this. At the end of the day, we're all on this trip together. So let's make it a good one. See you next time on Gather and Go. Gather and Go is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Jewell. Our publisher is Mac Lacey. Donya Simmons is our creative director. Ashley Ricks is our circulation manager and graphic designer. Our sales team is Kyle Anderson and Bryce Wilson. To advertise on the podcast, call Kyle or Bryce at 888-253-0455. Gather and Go is a production of The Group Travel Leader. For more information about our magazines, podcasts, and events, visit us online at grouptravelleader.com.